Please turn with me to 2 Timothy for a moment, please. 2 Timothy, Paul has been placed in prison. This is the prison, his last uh, time on earth. He's writing a letter to Timothy, encouraging Timothy in the faith. Timothy apparently is waning in his faith. He's uh, perhaps receiving all kinds of criticism about the Apostle Paul because of the Apostle Paul and because of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, teaching the gospel. Uh, Timothy is coming under great, great persecution, apparently. And Timothy becomes ashamed. He becomes afraid. And as a result of that, uh, he begins to wane. And Paul reminds him in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, and 2 Timothy chapter 1 and in verse, uh, verse 11, he says, Unto which I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for which I also suffer. See, Timothy was suffering. Paul said, I also suffer. He said, nevertheless, I am not ashamed. And I, for I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day, my, my soul. I've given my soul to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's able to keep it. He's able to build us up. He's able to give us an inheritance among the saints. So the whole book of Timothy is encouraging Timothy back into the word of God. I think we like to encourage people. I know I like to try to encourage people in health and, and whatever comes into their life. But my encouragement is short-lived. My words are fleeting. My words do not have impact. But God's word always works. God's word is always encouraging. God's word always permeates. It will never forsake the individual. So God tells us to give out his word of encouragement. And his, his word is completely, completely engulfed with his encouragement to us, even in the times of difficulty. There's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. So we must keep on going back to the word of God for his encouragement. A people can encourage us. Yes, that's true. People can discourage us. That's absolutely true. But God will never do that. So where do you fix your thoughts upon? Is it the words of men or the word of God? So Paul is using God's word to encourage Timothy. And now he's challenging Timothy. Not only do people need encouragement, they need challenge. We need to let people know, yes, you're going through this. It's difficult. We understand that. No one wants this. I wouldn't want this in my life, but God is able. God is able to do something here. God is able to build you up. God is able to strengthen you. And so Paul is using uh, the word of God to encourage Timothy, to strengthen him, but also to challenge him. We need to be challenged with God's word. Notice what he says in chapter 2 and verse 1. Brother Dave dealt with this wonderfully last week. He said, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Literally, he's telling Timothy, put on Christ. Put on the new man. Put off that old man. Why? Because the new man is the one that will give you the strength. Put on Christ. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, the same commit thou unto faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Timothy, your job is to, per to perpetuate the gospel. That's why you're here. That's why you're called of God. Make sure you continue perpetuating the gospel of Christ. Continue giving out the word of God. Particularly focus on these young men who will be able to continue the march forward. Uh, we need to be careful that we're investing our time and our resources in the younger people who will continue to march forward. 
And that's what God's will is for us, to continue to give strength to young men and women of Christ that they might be able to go forward with the gospel of Christ. And now he says, Thou therefore endure hardness. Dave dealt with this. I'm not going to look at this uh, any further. My my, uh, section is starting in verse 8. But I read a book by Tozer one time. He was a fundamentalist back in New York City. Uh, uh, He said, most Christians today consider the world a playground rather than a battleground. They consider the world to be a playground rather than a battleground. If you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are in a battle. You've taken on an unconventional foe. That's Satan himself. You are in the midst of trouble and trial. If you don't have any, it's because you're not trusting Jesus Christ. You're not exhibiting Christ. In this world, you shall have tribulation, the Lord Jesus said. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So is this world the playground? Well, we can enjoy it. We can enjoy our vacations and our fun times. We can enjoy that, but recognize those are fleeting times. The perpetuation of our faith in this world that's in total darkness, fueled by Satan himself, puts us in a battleground. And God wants us to make sure we're standing firm. And that's exactly what he tells Timothy. Now pick it up, if you would, please. In verse 8, he says to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8, Remember, call back to remembrance. Bring your mind back into the focus that, where it belongs. Look at the right things. Concentrate on this, Timothy. This is important. Remember. That's why we have communion, don't we? I'm surprised, I'm so surprised at people that take communion so lightly. If you're going to have it in the evening, okay. If you're going to have it in the morning, okay. I just won't be able to be there. Well, wait a minute. We should make a special effort, a special effort to get together to remember the uh, sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's commanded. It's not an option. It's well if I feel like it. No, no, no. It's commanded of God. He wants us to remember, to meet together for the breaking of bread and prayer as far as our remembrance of him. And then Paul challenges them. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Remember what you were called to, Timothy. Remember what your job is. Uh, the, we trust the Spirit of God will give you understanding in this. Recognize that the Lord Jesus Christ... Of the seed of David, that scriptures are replete with that. For example, Matthew chapter 1. I wonder if you turn to Matthew 1 1. The book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Given the historical facts, listen, he is the son of the, the, that uh, perpetuation of David's kingdom that God has promised. Remember also, he shall be great, God said to Mary and to the angels. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. So this is the promised Messiah, Timothy. Call to remembrance that. Think about that. Recognize that he's the one that you serve. And I am suffering as well as you. This suffering, no one wants to suffer. I particularly don't want to suffer. I I do everything I can not to. It's painful. I don't like pain. I'm a big baby with the whole business. But God has called us into his kingdom, and with that is going to come some displeasure. Some of that is going to come uh, some suffering. It's part of what you're called to, so recognize it. Recognize it's coming. 
realize it's coming, and then when it comes, it won't be shocking to us or, or somehow distasteful to us. Remember our Lord Jesus said that you're going to suffer as an evildoer. For example, in the uh, Gospel of John, he says, If the world hates you, know that it hated me first. If you were of the world, the world would love you uh, as it loves its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, the world's going to hate you. Peter said this most interesting. But the God of all grace, who hath called us to his eternal uh, glory, uh, through Jesus Christ our Lord, after you have suffered a while, mature you, establish you, and strengthen you. So these, these things are going to come. And Paul is telling Timothy, listen, recognize it, realize it. And so when it comes, it won't be that, it won't knock you off your way. Often this happens to us in, in our life when we're, we're, everything seems to be going along fine and we're thinking, oh, life is just wonderful. And then God says, I have some things for you to learn. It's called the testing of your faith. It needs to work patience in your life. It needs to mature you and cause you uh, to grow. Paul said that we need to draw near to him in faith and by faith. We need to draw close to him. Remember Paul said when his first imprisonment, he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. One day, we're all going to face the Lord. And one day, God is going to call into account. And we'll see that for a moment. So what was Paul doing? Notice he says in verse 9, For which I also uh, suffer trouble as an evildoer. I'm suffering as if I did something wrong. And all I did was tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we find that in the Psalms, do we not? The Messianic Psalms. The psalmist said, Listen, I... All I was doing is honoring God, and then I looked around me, and the wicked people seemed to be okay, and I'm miserable. What is going on here? I, they have more than I have. Uh, they, they don't it, Problems in life don't seem to bother them. They, they seem to get more than they need. What happened? And then the psalmist recognizes when he went into the temple, and that day uh, he went into the temple of God, and he said, Then I understood therein. Their feet are in slippery places. This is all they have. This is all they possess. I have eternity with God. Let me stand firm. So he says in verse 10, now, let's go back to eight, uh, 9 for a moment. For which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Now, this is so important for us to recognize. God's word abides forever. God says heaven and earth will pass away but my word will never pass away. And you know, think of the generations of Christians that have gone through suffering. Right from the beginning, we saw this morning in our Sunday morning service, uh, Sunday morning Sunday school. If, you, if you're not, please come out to that. Please come out to that. So you'll learn more about God and recognize what God says from the book of Genesis and following. But recognize what he says here, that Yes, you're suffering uh, as an evildoer, Paul, but he says God's word is not bound. Through the generations, the, the greatest missionary that has ever lived, whom I consider to be the Apostle Paul, is suffering. But that's not unusual. We won't turn there. 
for sake of time, but if you go to the book of Hebrews, it's called the Hall of Faith. You know what God says about those people? They were cut in two. Some of them survived, but most of them were slaughtered for God's sake. And you know what he said about them? The world is not even worthy of those people. Imagine that. Everyone, everyone who's just meant anything has gone through sufferings. Everyone who served Christ has gone through sufferings, and the world isn't worthy of them. Generation after generation, Christians come and go. Christians come and die. I, I've lived long enough to see many of my good friends go home to be with the Lord. Many faithful people. And sometimes you ask the Lord, Lord, why would you take that person, that woman, that man, why would you take them? Uh, there's, surely there's others who, you know, maybe we could replace them with, that type of thing, you know. No, no, God says, no. He brings to himself whom he will. And it's my job to remain faithful. And through the generations, one day I won't be here. One day some of you won't be here. Has God failed somehow? Oh, the world will miss us terribly. No, they won't. It just won't happen. Why? Because the generations come and go, do they not? Oh, yes, for a little while we'll be missed, perhaps. And then the generations will come and go. But God's word will always remain faithful. Listen, it's not about the messenger. It's about the message. That's the most important thing. The message, is it not? Yes, we want to remain faithful to the Lord. God's word is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. You give out that message, God will take care of the messenger. God will take care of the messenger. That's our job, to give out uh, that message. It's 2,000 years later. God is still using his servants. God is still working. Why? Because he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to the knowledge of truth. That's God's message. That's our position. Okay, now we'll get now to the real. Now I'll start the message, if that's okay. Now pick it up, if you would, please, in verse 10. Paul says, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul said, I continue on, and I want to continue on, Timothy, and you should continue on. Why? So that God will bring to himself his people. Keep on keeping on, Timothy. Keep on suffering. But recognize this, Timothy. There's something in the works here. And what is that, um, what is that Paul? Look, if you would, at verse 11. It is a faithful saying, if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. I'm reading from a King James Bible. Now, in this text, if you look at the Greek here, it's kind of an interesting terms used here. The, the word if here, we would translate it in our English language to sense. To sense, or because. It's not if, that is, uh, I wonder if it's so. No, it's because it's so. So read it in that, in that aspect when you're reading through this. He says, for it is a faithful saying, for since we be dead with him. What does that mean, to be dead with Christ? For since we're dead with him, we shall also live with him. It's a statement of fact based upon uh, the faith of the word of God. Remember, God's word is always what we need, since we be dead with him. What does he mean, since we be dead with him? Well, turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 6, very quickly. 
Romans chapter 6. Am I dead with Christ? Well, you better be. If you're not, you're not going to be risen with him in glory. See, when our Lord Jesus Christ died in my place for my sin, I'll make it personal. I did not know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. I used to curse with his name. I went to church. I did uh, the religious things you're supposed to do. Uh, I was in total darkness. I knew about Christ, but I did not know Christ. I heard his name mentioned. I believed, I believed that he died on Calvary's cross for my sin. I believed that. I was taught that when I was in uh, religious school all the way up. I, I knew that he died for my sin. I recognized that there was a Jesus Christ. I realized all that. But my salvation was based upon my faith plus my works. My salvation was based upon what I did physically. And God says, no, no. He died and paid the price for your sin alone. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy that he called us. And so when I believe that he died in my place for my sin, when he was buried in the ground 2,000 years ago, I was buried with him. Romans chapter 6. Now, please understand, there's no water in this section, okay? I, uh, and I'll show you this. Chapter 6 and verse 1. Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The thought is, if God gets glory from forgiving sin, so maybe I should just keep on sinning and God will get more glory. No, no. God forbid. God forbid. Let it never be said. Verse, verse 3. Know ye not that as many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. The word baptized means to be placed into. As many of us were placed into Jesus Christ. When was I placed into Jesus Christ? When I believed the gospel. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us. When you believe the gospel of Christ, you were sealed with the spirit of promise. How did that happen? The, the Holy Spirit came to indwell me and placed me into the body of Christ. I'm now part of his body. So that's the term here. Know ye not as many of us were baptized or placed into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? So when he died on Calvary's cross, you died with him. He paid the price of your sin. So when we have a a baptism up here, a a water baptism, we place people under the water. They died with Christ. When we bring them up out of the water, they were raised in newness of life with Christ. He died and was raised for your sin. You died with him and were raised with, with him on account of his work on salvation. Know ye not as many of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. You're a new creation. You say, well, what is all that about? You know, I, I try to get away from this, but I can't. No, it's not that you can't. You won't. You have the power to do it. You have the indwelling Holy Spirit and the Word of God as your guide. You have the ability to walk with Him. You just choose not to. Why? Because it's easy to whine and cry. It's it's easier to get away with things if you're not going to walk with the Lord. And and some Christians will pat you and say, oh, oh, that's okay. It's all right. Don't worry about it. No, there is something to worry about. There's something to be concerned about. Not that you're going to lose your salvation. That's secure. That's in Christ. That's because of him, not because of you. 
But head back with me to 2 Timothy. Paul warns Timothy about this. Timothy was a man of faith, a great man of God, a man that honored the Lord. I have no man like-minded, Paul said about Timothy. Great man of God. However, Timothy's reward in glory was at stake. His rewards before the Lord were at stake. I want you to see this, please. He said, it is a faithful saying, if we be dead with him, or since we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Do you believe that? Do you believe one day you're going to heaven? Please say yes. Yeah. Okay, one day you're going to heaven. But do you know there's something that's going to happen when you get there? It's not just you go there and you fly around with your harp and your halo. No, no. One day you're going to get to heaven, and one day you're going to stand before the Lord. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to give account for what you did when you were here on earth. Not sin. Not sin. That's been taken care of. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's secure. But we're going to give account for what we've done in our body in our service to him. And that's when, that's when rewards will be given by the Lord. Let's look at some passages, please, because some of you are looking at me really funny right now. <laughs> Head with me to Romans chapter 14, please. See, we're going to be with him in glory. That's secure. That's all right. I'm, 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 I'm all set. I'm going to heaven. Okay, that's good, but that's not the end of the story. You're going to heaven, and then the scriptures tell us you're going to stand before him. Pick it up in Romans chapter 14, if you would. Let's, let's, you, you know Romans chapter 14 very well, I'm sure, but let's skip to the, to the middle of Romans chapter 14 because Paul's talking about judging one another. You shouldn't be doing that. You should be careful. Um, the Jews, they would only eat this type of food and the Gentiles wouldn't eat this. You shouldn't be judging. You know, if they believe that's okay, then let them have that food. If you don't believe it's okay, then don't have that food. Don't, don't be judging one another in the superficial things. He's not talking about sinful activities. He's talking about the superficial things. Now pick it up, if you would, at verse 10 of uh, Romans chapter 14. Why do you judge your brother, or why do you set your brother at naught? Why, why, why are you discarding your brother? Why? For we, because we shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You know what the word is there? All. huh? We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For as it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every... Uh, Every knee shall bow unto me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Every one of us. No wonder the psalmist uh, writes, teach us to number our days. You only got a little while. You You only got a little while. What is your life? It's even a vapor. It appears for a little while, and then it's gone. You only got a little while, because why? You're going to stand before the Lord, and you're going to give account for the things done in your body. And we'll see that in just a moment. But every one of us shall give account for ourselves. Now, please understand, this is not unto condemnation. It's unto determination. It's not unto condemnation. That's been paid for. But it's to determine your reward. It's not punishment. It's consequences. There's a difference. 
You're not going to be punished, but there are consequences for not honoring the Lord while you're here on earth. And that will be a lack of reward by him in glory. You're going to heaven. You're going to heaven. It's secure. You're in Christ. You're settled in heaven with him. But there's a day coming when we're going to give account for the things that we've done before him. Was it true? Did I do it so someone else could see me? Or when I do something to serve the Lord, do I tell everyone so they'll think I'm a a really nice guy? Huh? Does that not happen? Have you not done that? Just letting people know. No one appreciates me around here. Well, who cares about that? The Lord appreciates you. The Lord knows what you're doing. The Lord understands. Well, I just want people to see me. So I, I need a little bit of credit. If you get credit from men, you're not getting it from the Lord. You have your reward, Jesus told these people. When you give, Jesus said to his disciples, when you give, don't blow your horns the way they do. The Pharisees and Sadducees, they used to have a little marching band so everyone would know, blowing their horns. Such and such rabbi is giving into the temple. He said, you be like that widow. She gave her two mites and didn't say a word to anyone. And the Lord Jesus saw it. You know what he still sees today? He sees what you're doing. He knows what you're doing. He knows the intentions of your heart. Don't tell people about it. Just do it. Just do it. And so Paul lets us know, every one of us shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I do not know, I do not know if we'll all visually see this. I don't know. If we are, I hope you go first, okay? But uh, I don't know if we're all going to see. Because, you know, when we brag to people, people might think we're something, and the Lord might have to show everyone, no. No, that's not the way it is. He didn't do it unto me. He did it unto his own glory. So the Lord lets us know that there is coming a time when we shall all, head back with me to 2 Timothy 2 now from one place, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and we're all going to give account. Now in 2 Timothy, let's pick it up here. Look at verse 12. If we suffer, or literally, since we suffer. See, on this earth, it's not, it's not a playground, it's a battleground. And if you live godly in Christ Jesus, there's going to come persecution your way. There's going to become problems your way. This world will give you the tribulation because you represent him, the king of kings and lord of lords. Now, please don't misunderstand. <clears throat> if you do something worthy of punishment, then what glory is there in that? Oh, I'm suffering for the Lord. No, you're suffering because you did something wrong. That's all. But if you're suffering for the Lord, that's where God's glory is brought in. That's where God's name is honored when you're suffering for the Lord. He said, if we suffer, or since we suffer, we shall also, the word reign or rule with him. What in the world is that talking about? It's talking about one day we will all go to what God calls his millennial kingdom. One day we're all going to go. Now, in a couple of months, I'm going to have a Sunday Sunday evening class on the kingdom, the millennial kingdom. And if you want to join us, we'd be glad to have you do that. But we're going to investigate the truth of the millennial kingdom. But realize what he says here now, please. We will rule with him. What does that mean? Well, God lets us know through the scriptures that we will have a position in his kingdom. 
a position. When, when, God, when the Lord Jesus Christ returns to earth after the seven-year tribulation period, he's going to set up what's called his thousand-year reign on earth. When God will reconstitute the entire planet, it will be totally changed. The DNA code of animals will be changed, of, 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 of the earth itself. The earth is now groaning. God's going to replenish the whole earth, just like it was in the Garden of Eden. And we will rule there on earth with him and reign with him. There'll be children born in the millennial kingdom from those who survived the great tribulation period that are born again. Children will be born for 1,000 years. Imagine that. 1,000 years we will rule and reign. That's what all the parables are about if you look at the parables in the Gospels. The kingdom of God starts off small like like a tiny mustard seed and then it grows great, exceedingly great. That's all about the millennial kingdom. It's all about the promise to the Jews and now to us Gentiles. We're going to rule and reign with him. Let's look at a passage, please. Head with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to rule and reign with him. Paul is letting the Corinthian church know that they are really missing the mark here. There's a problem. And what were they doing? They were suing one another. They were just going to court one another. Christian against Christian. Paul said, you're better off to take the wrong than you ought to do that. But notice what he says to them, picking up in chapter 1 Corinthians 6, 1. Dare any of you having a matter against another go to the law before the unjust and not before the saints? If you have a problem, you ought to bring it to the church, the church leadership. Let them deal with it. Let them help you. Let them uh, sort this out. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? Saints, that's us, born-again New Testament believers. We're going to judge the world. He says, and if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? Literally, we're going to rule in the world and rule over angels in the millennial kingdom of God. This thousand-year period of time when all heaven will be emptied and brought down to earth and we will dwell with the Lord here on earth and function with him here on earth. Amazing, amazing. Notice there's no condemnation here. Again, there's no condemnation here. Why? Because they, they are believers in Christ. They are, their sins have been forgiven. But this, this is warning them, one day you're going to rule and reign with him. You need to make sure that you're prepared to do that. Why are you going to the unsaved to judge a matter when you should be going before believers to judge a matter? Turn with me, please, to Revelation chapter 20 for a moment, please. Revelation chapter 20. This is talking about, again, uh, from God's word, Revelation chapter 20. Look at verse 4 with me, please. The kingdom age, God's going to set up his kingdom age in Revelation 20 and verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and who had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. These are what we would call uh, tribulation saints, along with New Testament saints. That's us reigning, ruling and reigning with the Lord Jesus Christ. Please remember, we're not going to sit at a judgment seat for punishment. We're going to sit at a judgment seat for determination. It's not punishment, it's determination. It's not uh, for for, punishment. for a judgment on my uh, eternal soul, the sin's been paid for. 
but it's to determine my reward before him. Head with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, well-known passages to you, please uh, help me here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 18. I'm sorry, I have you at the wrong place. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's start right at verse 11. Paul is uh, talking to the church of Corinth, obviously. He says, for, for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Here's the platform. Other platforms you build upon, they're shaky. This is the solid ground that you're to build upon. Our Lord Jesus Christ is not only the platform, he's the chief cornerstone. He's not only laid the foundation through the apostles and prophets, the word of God, he laid that foundation, but now he's that chief cornerstone for which to build off. So you have flat ground and you have a square corner. And then he says to this, Now if any man build upon this foundation, the foundation of Christ, verse 12, gold, silver, or precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble. So if you're building upon this platform with gold, silver, and precious stones worthy of the king, that's one thing. But if you're trying to build with wood, hay, and stubble, that which drifts along the ground when the wind blows, one takes work to mine and to work and to, to purify and to, to uh, labor over. One takes work, gold, silver, precious stones. The other one, it's available for everyone. He says in verse 13, Every man's work shall be made manifest. The word manifest is to be made clear. It's all going to be made clear. It's kind of frosty in my mind, just exactly what's what, but God said, no, it's clear to him. And I'm going to make it clear to you, he said. I'm going to make it very clear in your eyes. Every man's work shall be made manifest or clear, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall test every man's work of what sort it is. One day we're going to stand before the Lord, and all the wood, hay, and stubble is going to be totally consumed by him. That which I did in the power of the flesh, that's what I did so you would see me. And think, well, he's a really nice guy, isn't he? And inside... I know I'm not. But I'm doing it so you'll think so, see? I'm doing it so you'll really think I'm something. That's why I told you what I do. So you'll really think I'm something, see? Oh, maybe it, maybe, maybe it might build up my ego or, or ease my conscience. Yeah, yeah, I'm not living a life that's honorable to Christ. But when that basket comes around, I put money in it. God said, I'm going to clear it all up. I'm going to clear it up in your thinking, and I'm going to clear it up before everyone else. So what will happen? Well, fire, somehow this flash-type fire will happen, and all we'll be left with is what we did for his service. It'll be made clear. Notice, if, verse 14 again, again, it's presumed to be true, verse 14, since any man's work abide, which he hath built upon it, he shall receive a reward. What's a reward? Again, these are positions in the kingdom of heaven. Not only is it a crown, which we'll cast before him, he deserves it all, Not only is that, but I will stand before him giving account, and when I've done it, in his power, through his spirit, he gives me a reward for it. And we take that to be positions of ruling and reigning with him in the kingdom. So if you're not living for the Lord, uh, I give this example. It's a foolish example, so please forgive it. But if you're living for the Lord, you'll be in charge of Warwick. Isn't that great? You'll rule and reign Warwick Rhode Island. Don't worry, it won't be like it is now. It'll be the kingdom. If you're not living for the Lord, you'll be in charge of the dumpster out there. Listen, it's fitting, right? It's fitting. If you don't honor him, 
Why will he honor you? I, I won't have you turn there because there's so much about this. But remember the Lord Jesus Christ talked to his disciples and he gave an example of a man. He said, a, a man left for a far country, a rich man, and he left all kinds of money for his, for his people to use for him. And some of the people invested that money and used that money to honor their king. And God said to him, well done, you good and faithful servant. You'll be given a portion in my kingdom. Now, that's not in there for nothing. And then he says to one who, who didn't invest his money, he said, I knew you were a fearful God, and I just, I just didn't invest. I, didn't, I just saved what you had given me. He said, no, you will not be worthy of reward. You need to invest what God gives you. That's your life, you see. Are you ready to spend and be spent for him? See, spending isn't enough. You need to be spent as well. And so Paul lets these Christians know, pick it up in uh, verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet as fire. Again, it's not punishment, it's the consequences for living a life outside of the word of God. That is, you will not receive reward before the Lord. Now, please understand, it's not the amount that you do, it's your faithfulness in what you do. It's not the amount that you do. Why? Because God gives the increase. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You're right there, please. Look, if you would, please, at uh, verse... Uh, let's pick it up in verse 7. Uh, let's pick it in verse 6. Paul says, I have planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So Paul and Apollos, they were a team. Apollos was an eloquent man. He was a great man of God. He knew the Old Testament scriptures. God's word tells us that. And Paul was more simplistic, down-to-earth, a ruddy guy. And, and they were giving Apollos the glory, and they were giving Paulus honored. And, and Paul said, wait a minute, we're a team. We're, we're just a team, that's all. And I don't think Paul wanted recognition. What he wanted to do is take the glory from Apollos and put it where it belonged, to the Lord. He says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but who gave the increase? God, you see. It's not the amount of fruit you bring forth, it's your faithfulness. God will take care of the fruit. You need, your responsibility is the faithfulness. God wants you to honor him. You say, well, I haven't accomplished much. It's not up to you to accomplish anything. It's up to you to be faithful for what he's given you. He's the one who will give the increase from that. Say, well, why, why am I not like this person? Because you're not. You're you. You're different from them. They have their struggles. You have your struggles. You be faithful to the Lord. Let them take care of themselves. Every one of us is accountable for ourselves before the Lord. Notice, please, in verse 7. Neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but who? But God that gives the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. You see, there's a reward involved in this. One day you're going to stand before the Lord and you're going to give account for the things done in your body. Now again, turn with me please to chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians 4.2. We are all stewards of God, are we not? We've all been given a stewardship. We've all been given an ambassadorship. We've all been given a, a responsibility before the Lord. Everyone in here who calls himself a Christian has at least one spiritual gift. 
and you are called by God, ordered, demanded, commanded by God to use your spiritual gift in our local assembly. There's no option to that. Say, well, I'm not doing anything. Then you should be. You should be. Why? Because God has given you a spiritual gift to use in your local assembly. It's not for outside. Well, you know, I go here and I do this. Well, that's fine. That's good, and you should. We should help those outside, and we understand all that, but God has given us spiritual gifts for the functioning of the body. And then he says this in verse four, chapter 4 and verse 1. Notice this. This is, this is incredibly uh, important. He says, Let a man so account of us as of the stewards, notice, uh, as the ministers of Christ, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Let God account of us, each one of us. We've been given a stewardship. We've been given a, 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 a job by God to be his ambassadors. And then he says this in verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It's not an option. It's a requirement. You, you need to serve the Lord. Now head back with me to 2 Timothy for a moment, please. 2 Timothy. So when the apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. He's letting Timothy know, don't forget, Timothy, this isn't it. Yes, you're suffering. You're going through problems. Timothy had some kind of terrible stomach ailment or something we don't know exactly. Uh, Paul, of course, was encouraging him, don't, don't only drink that water, drink a little wine that's grape juice for your stomach's sake and your constant infirmities. Timothy was going through some tough times. We're not trying to minimize that. And you'll go through tough times. We're not trying to minimize that. We're not trying to say, oh, it's nothing. Yes, it's something, but recognize there's something other than this. That's the temporal. Uh, The sufferings of this present time, they're not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. So notice we're back in 2 Timothy. He says, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we deny him, what? Our service. If I don't, I'm not willing to serve the Lord, then he's going to deny me. What? My reward. You're just simply going to deny it. You, know, you don't get one. So in the millennial kingdom, where we're, we're supposed to be ruling and reigning with him, where we're going to receive crowns for, for service in his, you, it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So God lets us know very, very nicely and it, it, difficultly, if you would, that we are going to stand before him. Now, quickly, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Remember, even if we don't serve him the way we should, he's still faithful, Paul told Timothy, to his word. He can't deny himself. If he said you're his child, you're, his, his, uh, you're in Christ, you have eternal life, he's not going to deny that. No, you're going to go to heaven, but you'll be denied rewards before him. Now, I asked you to go to 2 Corinthians. Turn with me to chapter 5, please. Is that where I sent you? That's a good thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Remember, Paul, again, is letting Christians know, don't concentrate on this stuff. Don't concentrate on the temporal. It's going to pass away. And it goes quickly. It goes quickly. My wife and I have been married for 45 years. Is it 45? Yeah, 40. Oh, she's not saying anything. Oh, Okay. Between 44 and 46 years, we've been married. <laughs> Listen, I remember the day I saw her. 
I, I remember she ran around the cash register and smiled at me, and I, my heart was just smitten. <laughs> and it still is, by the way. Gaining points. <laughs> that was between 44 and 46 years ago. I remember holding my daughter, crying like a baby. That was 40 years ago. One day at a time. It's just going by. I'm on the backside of life now. It went by one day at a time. I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give account. Don't waste it, brethren. Don't, don't waste it. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul's letting the Christians know, for if our, for we know, know of a surety, that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house made without hands, eternal in the glory. See, when you die, you're going to be with him. This thing's going to fall apart. Trust me. Two fake knees, all kinds of false teeth. You know, all staying here. All staying here. I'm going with a new body in glory. All these problems, back hurting, head hurting, everything hurting. No, going to have a new body. It's all going to be fine. So now skip down, if you would, please. He says in verse 8, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat judgment. This isn't a judgment unto condemnation. It's determination. You're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that, that Bema seat of determination. And notice what it will be. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. That's what you're doing now. It's not what you think you are, it's what you really are. It's not what you said to impress people, it's what you really did. It's not so people will see you, it's so he will receive the glory. Everything I do is supposed to be unto him. Now, if people are pleased with what I do, that's fine. They're supposed to be, that's good. But even if you're not pleased, if I'm serving the Lord, then he receives the glory, that's all that matters. What you think is irrelevant, right? What God says is most important. We have a whole world full of people who thinks we're, we're a joke. Over half our nation thinks we're ridiculous for worshiping God. Over half. And what does God say? I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. So who cares what they think? I don't. I don't. Continue on. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Good unto his glory or worthless. We're all going to stand there. Turn back with me quickly. Second Timothy, I'm going to close with this. Understand, please, this is not a judgment unto damnation, but determination. It's not, it's not unto uh, eternal damnation before God. It's before him to receive rewards. It's the determination that God has given. We'll pick it up in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look with me at verse 19. Nevertheless, I just want to close with this, and this will be picked up by one of the other men. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure. Having this seal, this, this 
um, mark, if you would, a, 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 a seal that's, uh, that seals this forever. My wife and I, um, we bought um, two uh, plots to be buried in. It's a new experience for me. It's kind of interesting. We bought two plots, and, and we had to agree on what we wanted on our headstone. Why? Because once the guy cobs it, that's the end of it. That's the seal right there. And this is what God says. You're you stamped. You're you, you sealed. This is, this is it. The seal of God. This seal. Pick it up. The Lord knows them that are his, and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. See, that's what God wants. He'll take care of the fruit, you take care of the root. He'll give the strength, you're the vessel he uses. Again, another poor illustration, but you are a shovel in the hand of God. You can do nothing under your own power. But if he uses you, you can dig a large hole. Let's close. Father, thank you for this time. Pray for each one, Lord, as we close out our service, then we return to our homes. Father, we, we are not going to have services because we are concerned about the weather. We're concerned about the safety of people. But I pray each one of us, Lord, would not neglect to bring you into our lives every day, but especially on what we know to be the Lord's Day. Father, help us to reflect upon your word. This world may be changing, and, and all that's within it changes. It, 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 it follows whims and trendy things. Unknowledgeable people follow after those who are teaching lies. They're tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. But, Father, help us to be concentrated on your word, to recognize that one day we're going to stand before you, not to, not to condemnation, our Lord Jesus Christ paid the price of my sin. But unto determination as to whether I will receive a reward for you for the things done in my body, whether they be good or worthless. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.